Welcome to King's Place Podcasts. I'm Helen Wallace and I'm here in the green room with cellist Guy Johnston. Welcome, Guy. Hello. Your concert is a very special event because it's an all-Russian programme and this is going to be cello and voice. Actually, I was reminding myself of the, the whole programme and it's full of romance, isn't it? the Ratmaninoff uh, lead, uh, Romance in F minor, Arensky's Six Romances, um, we've got Scriabin Romance, Shostakovich Romance and Nocturne, and then the Shostakovich Seven Romances. So as the Russians were finding their uh, way of writing, um, catching up with the German school and the French school, they found their own voice. And I think that it's a lot of it's very soulful, nostalgic. And then, of course, Prokofiev, who would have been in some way influenced by their their music, um, wrote his towards the, the Prokofiev Sonata, which is a, sort of the heart of this program um, in the middle of the 1900s. So there's quite a progression going from sort of late 1800s all the way through to the middle of the 20th century. Mm. And one of the people behind some of the pieces in this program, the big pieces, like the Prokofiev Cello Sonata and the Shostakovich Seven Romances, is... Slava Rostropovich, of course, because he's inspired these pieces. He even asked uh, Shostakovich to write those romances for him and his wife, Galina Vishnevskaya. And I wondered whether you could reflect on him as a cellist who lies behind many different parts of this programme, obviously a giant of the 20th century cello. Did you ever meet him? I did, yes. Um, he, he came to conduct the National Youth Orchestra when I was a, um, in the cello section. And... Um, we played a programme of Britain's Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. His stories and his his presence was just extraordinary. And um, he was already, I mean, well in, uh, into his 70s by then. And um, I remember we, we all just you know, gathered round him at breaks to just to talk with him and, and, and try to hear more of these stories. He, he would tell us secret messages inside the music that even... Uh, you know, some people don't even know exist relationships and what have you and friendships and um, but no I mean he, over 150 works were premiered by him commissioned for him uh, by him and um, you know now all, all our generation are you know so lucky because the cello has kind of really gathered momentum and I can see it through your programming here um, at King's Place, just the, the incredible variety of works over all that time span. And I remember we did talk about the Miaskovsky sonata because exactly. that's one that is written for Rostropovich that he really championed and is a beautiful piece. It is, and it inspired um, the Prokofiev. Yes, yeah. and then, of course, Prokofiev thought, I can do this too. And let's talk about that sonata because it's such a fantastic, rich piece, isn't it? It's sort of a comedy, it's like a circus but it's got a very dark undercurrent as well because, of course, it was a terrible time yeah. in his life in the 40s when he actually had come back to Russia and then hadn't quite realised what Stalin's Russia was like. Absolutely. And, in fact, any piece that was written um, you know, had to sort of go through the composer's union because of this whole uh, you know, system of you know, trying to decide if the music was good for the, for the good of the people and, uh, or if it was sort of something against the system or, or wasn't... Um, wasn't great enough. Um, and I think this piece took at least a year before they, they agreed to let it you know, happen. And when it did, I mean, Mierskowski mm. was present and he just said, this is a great, great piece. And 
um, I think in this programme, because there's, there's so much darkness actually around yes. those other works, that, that really the ray of light comes through the C major, um, sort of optimistic in a way. Everything tends to be rising. Um, whereas in the in the other romances, that I was listening back to them recently and thinking about them, how they're all these falling, sighing gestures. Um, and there's a lot of humour in the Prokofiev. Yes, I mean, the second movement is great fun, isn't it? Yeah. All the pizzicato and the sort of hijinks Absolutely. going on there. A very, you say it's optimistic, you don't think of it as sarcastic. There is, of course, there's irony and, and sarcasm. And in fact, there's even a quote of Shostakovich towards the end, a very sort of tongue-in-cheek moment in the last page. Uh, he, he uses uh, the DSCH subtly, um, but just being mindful of some of those things makes you realise, well, even the system didn't quite catch everything. piece that Rostropovich asked Shostakovich to write for him, The Seven Romances, for his extraordinary soprano wife. Shneskaya, yeah, Galina. Who was just yeah. wonderful. And Joan Rogers, who's very famous for singing this repertoire, is going to be taking on the Vishnevskaya role. Um, these pieces are, I mean, they were written in 1967, which was a pretty bleak time for Shostakovich. And uh, there's a funny quote where... Shostakovich was saying, I want it to be for cello and voice, just cello and voice, That's right, yeah. which is a more stark kind of texture. And then he wrote to Slava and saying, you see, I tried to satisfy your request, but when I started writing the second movement with a whacking pizzicato in the cello, I realised I didn't have enough instruments. And then he, so he wanted to create something bigger and then, of course, brought in David Oistrakh on the violin and, the, and Moise Weinberg on the piano. Mm. Um, it is a dark, it's a dark set of... Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that somehow the, you know, Shostakovich wanted to, to develop the instrumentation and to make it on a grander scale. I mean, there's such bleak poems, and they were written, you know, by Bloch at a, at a time where just before um, Uprising, and, you know, he clearly had this sense of what was coming. And also there's reference to, to the violin, I think, in one of the poems, so you could see his thinking. Um, it adds more variety, I think, to the programme as well. While you're here, Guy, I would yeah. really like to ask you about a project that I know has sort of been taking over your life in the last year, which is the Tecla 300, because you'll be playing your Tecla cello in this concert, which is a wonderful yeah. instrument. And you've been looking at David Tecla and where the cello was made and the whole story of the 300, year, the 300 years that the cello has been in existence. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about why you started that project? Yeah, it was, it was really lucky. I mean... Basically, there was a sponsor who came to me and said, I've got a little bit of money, what do you want? Is there anything you, you want to do with this at this time? And I sensed that there was this sort of tricentenary uh, of the cello coming up. Um, wouldn't it be fun to commission three new pieces for each uh, centenary year for the cello, as sort of gifts for the cello? Mm -hmm. And then, and so that happened, and, and David Matthews, Charlotte Bray and Mark Simpson all wrote pieces, and they gradually came through the door. And 
you know, taking the cello on a journey back to Rome. Um, to cut a long story short, it was just really um, fun to sort of take the cello back to its roots. When we found David Tekler's studio, where it was now, it's now a garage in Rome. This is the, David Tekler, the maker Tekla, of the maker your of the cello. cello. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was such an amazing, fun moment that you know, actually, we found. The, the, what is now a garage, which is where he used to work, and in fact there were apartments above it. I mean, one of the things I just wanted to ask you before we, we close, because pre, the pre-concert event to your concert on the 12th of May is actually going to be Justin Pearson coming to talk about investing in cellos. And that's pertinent to your story, isn't it? Because you had this awful, awful accident happen with your cello and then ended up getting your tecla through a consortium and the Royal Society of Musicians. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, it was, I was coming back from my studies in the States and um, basically opened the cello case. And, and, and actually the, the foundation that I was, um, had the cello through um, were aware that it was in the special Stevenson travel case, flight case, very mm. sturdy. And I'd done it for four years and it was the last journey home and I heard this big clunk and I thought, oh, God, what's that? The cello's not here yet. And then it came out on the conveyor belt. Usually it comes through the doors separately, but it came out on the conveyor belt, upside down on the bridge. And I just thought, that, yeah, I knew at that point that must have been someone throwing the cello onto the conveyor belt. <sighs> and I opened it up, and the bridge had gone through the front of the cello, and basically the front of the instrument sort of exploded. <laughs> well, it was originally through the Nigel Brown uh, Stradivari Trust who started mm-hmm. it. And then the Royal Society of Musicians, Justin Pearson, a great friend of mine, had this idea that the Royal Society of Musicians should be helping not only sick musicians but musicians in need of instruments to help their careers. And, yes. and, and I think they've already done like four or five syndicates now and, and I was one of the first and I was just so lucky. Um, and, and, um, and we had two years to raise the remaining funds I'd found through private um, sponsors. I mean, it, it, it is, I don't think people quite realise how much these instruments are and how a musician could, would very unlikely to have that sort of resource to buy. I mean, do you know how much your tecla is worth? Yes, yeah. What and is it's it? going up. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, I think it was, it was um, insured for around half a million and now it's getting on for three quarters of a million. So that's within five yes. years. An instrument... Which just goes, goes to show up. what an investment it is for people. And I think that's really what our event is, is trying to say to people, you know, this is an extraordinary investment. It's like a house, isn't it? It it's is probably, like a house. It's probably, well, you obviously need to resell the instruments, but they, yeah, it seems to be a good place to... Yes, to, they to just seem to be going up rather than And the great else. feeling is for, for investors is that it's not just a work of art sitting on a wall. This is actually travelling around, enriching the player's life and people, hopefully, that are hearing these concerts... You know, it's a, it's a life giver. Guy Johnston will be coming to King's Place on the 12th of May. Um, the pre-concert event is on that day too, um, about investing in cellos. And for more information on the concert, please go to kingsplace.co.uk forward slash cello. And thank you very much, Guy. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.